0: So just as James focused on the humanity of Christ, so in, on the Christmas series, we're going to be focusing on the divinity of Christ, right? We're going to take the other side of the coin and, and, and match and compare. James pointed out that opponents on one side of the coin really, really do not want Jesus to be human. It bugs them. It, it irritates them. Uh, he, it's too close. It's too personal. It's too real. Uh, he must have been something... But whatever it was, it wasn't human like us. And to prove that point, God came as a baby, right? Just startling, came as a baby, a human baby, just like all the babies we've seen born in our lifetimes. He came as an infant. It's kind of just amazing stuff. Christmas is about God entering our world, our turf, if you want to think of it that way, right? Right? As humans, as you or I, it's just mind-blowing stuff. Uh, we don't have time to cover all this again, but uh, I would like to encourage you, if, if you didn't hear James's series or missed several of the messages, just go back on our, our site online and uh, download a couple of them and, and follow through with that. It's, it's well, worth, well worth the time. But the other side of the coin is also true. And John, I'm going to place your notes down here so I don't scramble our stuff together. Otherwise, you're preaching and I'm church planning. right? That'll just not go well. Okay, here we go. But the other side of the coin is equally true. A lot of people are just fine with Jesus being human. That's okay. Yeah, he's a real person, actual historical person who walked around. Uh, They're ready to admit that. They just don't want him to be divine. They don't want him to be God. They're okay with him being a wise person or a teacher, They're okay with him being a prophet. They're okay with him being what they would call in in our modern culture a a seer or a mystic, right? Uh, We're familiar with that kind of stuff. But they are not okay with his claim that he's God. The oft-repeated accusation that Jesus never claimed to be God is one of the most circulated pieces of misinformation and false news this planet has ever seen. The truth is he proclaimed to be God loudly... And often, Let's just look at a real small sample size very quickly. He said that he was, and if you look on these, you recognize some of these, the Messiah. When he was talking to the woman at the well, she was saying, well, we know Messiah is coming. And he said, I am he who talks to you. He claimed to be the Messiah with her. Uh, If you look at John chapter 8. They're in a dialogue with the Pharisees. There's a heated argument. And he says, before Abraham was born, I am. That is the term for, that God used of himself with Moses at the burning bush. And so they got upset. They wanted to stone him. Why? Because he was distinctly claiming to be God. John fourteen six. He says, not only is he the way, the truth, and the life, but he also says that no one comes to the Father except through me. That he is the exclusive entrance into eternal life. In John 6, he claims to be the bread of life. In other words, we need to have him in a relationship even more than we need physical food. In John 10, he claims to be the door. You have to come through the door to get in the house. You have to come through Jesus to get into heaven. It's that simple. And then in John 10, one of the most famous ones, he's the good shepherd. He's the shepherd who knows the sheep. He's the shepherd who takes care of the sheep. And all of this that you see on the screen, that's just from the Gospel of John, right? There's a lot more. The prophet Isaiah, where we're heading this morning, has some of the most stunning revelations found in the Bible regarding the divinity of this child that we would come to know as Jesus, who would be born as the Messiah of the Jews and the Savior of the world. James has had uh, people coming up reading the scriptures. It's been really fun to have different people talk about their community group. And this morning, I'm going to ask my friend George to come up and uh, not read, but actually sing the scriptures to us this morning. All right? The words will be up on the screen, but George will direct us in the singing. It's a sing-along, so you're welcome to join in. Would you please stand? Let's do this part together. have fun? Boy, that was a long stall there with that. (laughs) Wow. I'm rusty. I haven't been up here for a while. Thank you, George Friedrich Handel and his Horatio, the Messiah. I thought that just fit really well. Those are the verses that we're actually going to be working on uh, through this Christmas series. Can you imagine singing that in heaven together? With everybody from all the... just like, wow. That is just going to be Incredible. That is going to be spectacular in the truest sense of the word. All right, in this Christmas series, it's called God With Us. By the way, if you haven't seen the sign out in the lobby, take a check on that. It's really fantastic. But we're going to focus on the four titles that we just sang about, all right? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. We're going to use those as the benchmarks as we move through this series. Those names were given to Jesus... Through prophecy by Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came. 700 years before Jesus came. Just to give you an idea uh, of that time span, America is 245 years old. So, f- literally, three times the length of our national history was when that was given. Which just goes to show that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. He does not count time the way we count time. And he is not slow in regard to fulfilling his promises. Amen? Amen Amen to that. All right, this morning's focus will be on the wonderful counselor. Let's pray before we launch into that. Father, that was fun this morning. And it's exciting to see the things you've done, the things you're doing. Lord, we seek you for John and Northwind. And Lord, we pray that you will be the great provider. Lord, we seek you for their counsel that you will be the wonderful counselor for them. We ask this morning that as we look at this, we again would get caught up in the fact that you're the one who has the answers and we should be seeking after you hard. Lord, many of us have. It's easy in this culture to get weary. Help us all to be encouraged this morning in the pursuit of you. And we seek this for you in your name. Amen. All right. All right. Wonderful counselor. What a name, right? Uh, It should be noted that each of these four designations, by the way, that we're going to look at are attributes of divinity. This child would be a mighty ruler and a wise king. And we get the first glimpse of that in that the child would be known as the wonderful counselor, not a wonderful counselor. He would be the wonderful counselor above all. Uh, You know, wise counsel has always been highly prized. Right? That's kind of what makes a a church go a lot of times. Uh, Good coaching has never been at a higher premium. We have all kinds of expressions for this in our culture. We have financial counselors. We have relational counselors. We have marriage counselors. We have life coaches. We have baby coaches. We have workout coaches. We have retirement coaches. The big new term in the internet is called being an influencer. Right? And, of course, we have hacks. That shows how to do all things in life better. And if all else fails, you got YouTube. Right? So, yeah, even Levi likes YouTube. See, that's great. So we, we just have all kinds of coaching. And here's the point: a lot of times, you know, we bring up points that are, are sarcastic in it, that, but that's all good stuff. It's really encouraging. You can find all kinds of access to things and people that will help you do things better. And, and it's good. Proverbs 15:22 tells us. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, or NIV would say many counselors, uh, they succeed. And so when you get in a jam, what's the first thing you do? You start asking around. Hey, who knows something about this? When our water heater was time to change it, it was 16 years old. We figured it's going to blow soon. Let's change it before Christmas hits, right? Or it'll blow at Christmas, and then we'll have a white Christmas in our garage. Not a good idea. And we just asked around, and, you know, we got... uh, From Jeff Larson in here, we got the water heater. Matt Comstock helped me put it in. And we have hot water because people who knew what they were doing helped us. I did not know how to do that, right? So the idea of finding wise counsel is, is important in all areas of life, especially when it comes to the Lord. But what Isaiah is saying of all the sources of a counsel that exist, this baby who we know as Jesus would be the ultimate counselor. The ultimate go-to source. Not only would he be the best, but he would be wonderful in counsel. Isaiah 28 says this, this also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. All right? It's a high, high view of God. It's a high, high view of his value. One of the things that stood out about Jesus, if you think about his life, was His marvelous counsel and wisdom. Let's just go through it again and remind ourselves of some stories. Again, remember the woman at the well. We talked about that. Um, He had great counsel for his wife. Her life was a relational disaster. And he led her to himself. Uh, There was an argument with Peter about, hey, doesn't your teacher keep the tax? And he said, hey, Peter, who do you think should pay the tax? The sons or the... Yeah, the, the sons are exempt. Well, okay, but lest we give offense. Hey, go throw a line out. The first fish you catch, pull a shekel out and give it for the tax for you and me so they're not offended. Right? First of all, how do you know it's that fish? Right? Nicodemus. Nicodemus came at night, right? He was afraid because of his stature and what others of his peers would think. He knew there was something different. There was something extremely different what Jesus was saying than the way they taught about it, and and he came seeking out Jesus, saying, "Good teacher, right?" And this is where we get the whole "born again" phrase from because Jesus used it with Nicodemus. The Beatitudes. If you if you want to go somewhere just to get your mind blown, uh, the Gospel of Matthew and the Beatitudes is a great place to go. It is just a couple short chapters. Uh, and it is considered one of the greatest pieces of literature ever written. It's also considered one of the greatest counseling pieces ever written. It is a marvelous composition of sayings of wisdom that uh, Jesus gave us. And what I'm trying to point out here is that people flocked to Jesus. They flocked to Jesus, yes, because he did miracles. Yeah, he did do those. But also in what he had to say. It had such an impact Uh, look at the impact of Jesus's words in Luke 2 it says this is when he was 12 right and he's answering the guys in the temple and it says about him that all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers so he was like a 12 year old on steroids right 12 going on 45 and just answering all their questions and like you ever had a kid like that that's the fun to parent right And uh, we we did, her name is Kayla, she's the children's director now, right? That's how that works. Um, But Jesus astounded people with his answers. Uh, And then it says, all spoke well of him. And they marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. It wasn't just, you know, machine gun, bam, 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 truth, 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 blow you into the wall, aren't you impressed? What was captured the writers said he was so gracious that the w- words coming from his mouth just captured everybody. Look at John. John emphasizes this fact. For the law was given through Moses, right? Here's the law, keep all the things. It says grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It says Jesus, as he went and grew and went home and obeyed his parents, said he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So, important emphasis with God and man. The Pharisees came to him and they said, Hey, where do you get this authority? We don't like you and you're running across our authority, so we're going to challenge you. And Jesus said, All right, you ask me a question, I'll ask you a question. John's baptism, right? From man or from heaven? <laughs> Well, if we say from heaven, then he'll say, well, why didn't you listen to him? If we say from man, we're going to get stoned because all the people consider John a prophet. They came back and said, we don't know. Cop out. (laughs) Biggest cop out in the New Testament. We don't know. Oh, and then Jesus said, well, neither do I answer your question. Right? If you want to play that game. They got ticked at Jesus later and they sent the temple priest to arrest him. And Jesus is in the temple teaching the people. And they come back to the leaders without Jesus and said, where is he? And they said, no one's ever spoken like this man. They were literally halted in what they were needing to do because they sat and listened to what Jesus said and they couldn't do it. Now understand, this meant for them... That they could be stripped of title and rank. This meant they could be denied a month's worth of wages. And this actually could mean that they were burned alive in their own clothes. This was no little deal that they didn't come back with Jesus. You didn't just deny orders back in that day. They weren't asking you how you felt. All right? They said nobody ever spoke like this guy. That's how powerful it was. Mark 7 says this conclusion of the matter he has done all things well all things well and then Matthew says this and it came to pass when Jesus had finished these words the multitudes were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes God has a tendency to do that right most of the stories if you think about them in the new testament and if you've read through it you You know this. There's stories of people being blown away by what Jesus said and did. He had very real enemies. But even they couldn't get past his line of reasoning. And eventually it says they no longer dared to ask him any questions. Because they had just gotten smoked too many times. And they couldn't come up with anything clever anymore. And so they just quit. And these stories highlight what Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. That he would be the wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor. One of the Bible's main claims is that there is a God and that he is good. Right? Yeah, amen. Isn't that awesome? Yes. There is a God and he is good. Over and over, again and again, the Bible admonishes us. It encourages us. It exhorts us to seek God for counsel go to him first not last that he is wise that he is great and that he is good and that he's magnificent in wisdom and knowledge and because of this we should seek him look at what isaiah says in isaiah 50 isaiah by the way is a treasure trove if you've never read it it's uh, absolutely priceless book seek the lord while he may be found call upon him when he's near let the wicked forsake his way let the unrighteous man his thoughts in other words get it straightened up people right let him return to the lord that he may have compassion on him and to our god for he will abundantly pardon the issue is not sin the issue is we will not take our sin to god so it can be pardoned. and by the way that's still the great hope of the world is that your sins can be forgiven, they can be pardoned. you don't have to hang for them. They can be washed, but you've got to go to Jesus to do it. Now the question is a, isn't that a wonderfully optimistic scripture, right? It's so cool. The question is this morning is, do we see that happening? Is that what we're seeing? do we see people flocking in our culture to the wonderful counselor? Well, let's certainly hope so let's hope this Christmas is the Christmas it happens. I'm professing faith in a revival for our country and particularly here in the northwest in the Mill Creek area. I I still believe there's one last great revival left in our country and I believe the most crazy place to do it would be right here because nobody believed it to happen, right? It'd be so cool. Like where? Like, you know, Mill Creek? Like, isn't that like Nazareth? Like, you know. Revival? Like, are there Christians in the Northwest? Like, really? Right? That would be so cool just to blow them away by that. Um, the trend is discouraging. I want to show you a trend. This is from David Jeremiah's book, Where Do We Go From Here? And if you look back at 1937, 73% of our country attended church and were in effect, more or less, professing Christians. If you look at that day today and you go down to 2020, it's down to 50%, all right? And dropping rapidly is the sad note on that. We know this, we've seen the growth of the nuns, right? That's not N-U-N-S, that's N-O-N-E-S, nuns, right? In other words, what's your religious affiliation? None, okay? That's that's that. Uh, We've seen many deconstruct their faith, That seems to be a popular thing. We've seen many who once went to church walk away. Anybody in here know anybody who's walked away? Somebody should be sitting next to you this morning. They're no longer here, right? Any grief over that? Any heartache over that? Absolutely. Many have left for other teachers uh, who will tickle their ears and tell them what they want because the only thing we have to offer is that you should repent. I don't want that. That's dumb. Go somewhere else. Okay? And our culture takes great offense at Jesus today. He's too rigid, Um, he's too exclusive. Where does he get off claiming he's the only way? It's too narrow. I I, I have broader wings than that. Right? And what we've done is we've flipped the tables. You know this. Instead of us being answerable to God, we are calling God into account. As if he is answerable to us. I have news for you. He's not. Okay. If you sit there and demand things from God, he has no obligation whatsoever to answer that asking politely might get you farther right parents you would understand that you know jesus predicted this great falling away if you look in revelation 13 it says that day and that day is the return of the lord that day will not come unless the falling away comes first so there is a falling away that's predicted i have coached us that as we see others stumble, as we see others walk away, we must lean closer in. Everybody, Anybody heard me say that before? Lean in, people, not away. Right? We have to lean in tighter. And we must have confidence in what God has shared with us, what God has taught us. And we must trust that God, even in 2021 or 2022, we're rapidly closing that window knows what is going on and he knows what he's doing and he knows where to take this. He has not lost control. He has not lost confidence. He's not sitting up and saying, wow, that one caught me by surprise. I did not think of that. Okay? He's not doing that. He's looking for people who will stay loyal and stay steady in the spirit and in truth. Right? And part of that then is we have to understand if all of this looks really foolish and you realize that we look foolish to the world, right? We do. I've been in conversations and my cousins have said, <laughs> "You know, we look silly. You've probably had those same conversations. But 1 Corinthians tells us, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We've kind of forgotten that part. Isaiah also tells us, Isaiah 55, it says this For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It is not us who call God into account, it is God who calls us into account. You are measured by his thoughts, not by your thoughts. That's why you have to repent. That's why we make it a lifestyle. Ever notice it didn't just happen once? I thought when I came to Jesus and got baptized, I was done, right? Then I realized I wasn't a godly man. I thought, how long will that take? Six months? 42 years later. Still working on that puppy. Anybody else with me? Right? Yes. But it's the process. So the trick is not that God lines up with our ways. The trick is that we line up with God's ways. So how do we do that? What would that look like? Well, let me share a startling prophetic suggestion this morning, all right? It's December, and we will quickly be coming around to the first of the year, three weeks, three and a half weeks away, and we'll be there, Why not lean in, you've never heard this from me before, you already know where I'm going? Gift, with, gift wrapped with a bow on top of it for you. Why not read through the Bible this year? After what I shared, doesn't that make sense? Why not line up your thoughts, our thoughts, with God's thoughts? Why not let Him speak to you? Some of you are saying, Well, I did that already. Do it again. Okay? Do it again. What? Like, I already read it. Do it again. I've read it for over 40 years. I got done in October. really messes me up because I'm going faster now. And so then I had to read through the New Testament again. And now I'm in Psalms and Proverbs hoping for anything end there so I can just kick back into Genesis and away we go. All right? So every time I find things that I'm going, where was, I've read this, where was that? Like, and the Holy Spirit just illuminates something and brings something out, and I'm just startled, right? You can't read it enough. Why not let him lead through his word? Why not let him protect through his word? You ever thought about being in the word protects you, right? It actually protects you from making dumb decisions. Why not let him be the wonderful counselor? So here we go, reading through the Bible, 2022. We have all kinds of ways you can do it, right? Not just cookie cutter stamp, but the first way is Genesis through Revelation. That's front to back. That's how I do it. It's not magic. It's not rocket science. You start in Genesis and you move through. If you read four chapters a day, four chapters a day, you will read through the Bible in less than a year. And that includes some major oops, gaffes, and skips. Okay? You don't have to be perfect in it, but four chapters a day, I made a bunch of oofs, gaffs, and skips this year, and I still finished in October, right? So you can can do it quite easily. Second way, mixing Old Testament with New Testament, right? Some of us like, oh, the Old Testament, right? Okay, so there's plans where the Old Testament and New Testament readings are matched up, so you move through together, so you get a little Matthew with Leviticus, and you survive, all right? It's a cool thing. (laughs) You can you can do it that way. It really works for people. The other way is kind of fun is to read through the Bible in chronological order. That's a that's a different one because it takes a lot of your favorite verses and puts them in different parts of the Bible and your head goes, right? Because you're like, wait, I thought that was, where was that? But it gives you the actual order that it was written in instead of how the books were lined up. And so that gives you some of the historical value and stuff coming through. And then... Some of you are saying, I hate reading, okay? All right, how about reading through the New Testament? If you read two chapters a day in the New Testament, that's not a lot. Two chapters a day, you can read through the entire New Testament in six months, all right? So that means that you could read through the the New Testament twice in a year and have that down. So if you've never done that, you could do that and you could have it down uh, in ways you never did. And for those of us who are visually challenged, really reading is really tough, okay? It's really hard. You go, I do so much better audio. I do so much better listening. I have great news for you. There are all kinds of audio programs. You can download tons of them. My wife's favorite is the Bible Recap, okay? A lot of our gang does that here, Bible Recap. The Bible Project has a bunch of them. There are several others, and you can get really cool accents, like a British accent, <laughs> right? Or I might in Australia. Yeah, there we go. Right? And, and it's really cool. You can have, and they have these great voices, right? Like James Earl Jones, and Jesus walked into the temple. You know, it's so cool. Right? Just makes it. But you can listen along. And I would encourage you, if you have that challenge, don't just listen audio, but take your Bible. And listen along as you're going because you know what? If you do that, your reading will improve. I know of a guy who could not read. And so I hooked him up with, back in the day it was CDs. Remember those? They used to be tapes, and never mind. And <laughs> so I hooked him up with CDs and I said, now here's the deal you listen along, here's a Bible, and when it says, you track along with the words. And he did that for three years, and at the end of three years, he could read. And he could read newspapers. And he said, Steve, I can read. He said, this is incredible. I said, see, how cool is that? You couldn't read three years ago, and now you can read the Bible. It's awesome. Any of these ways work, okay? Because here's my suggestion. Could any of you have anticipated what 2019 and 2020 would have brought? Would you still believe we're still where we're at? Okay. What do you think 2022 is going to bring? Do you think we have a litmus test and we can just sit there and go, oh, yeah, all my reading in the past is good. I don't need to read anymore. I've got it down. We're liquid. Me and Jesus, we're tight. Right? And what I've got is good enough for the year coming up. Anybody willing to take that risk? Yeah, smart. Okay? So why would we read through the Bible? Why? Is this the religious thing to do? No. Okay? Does it make me better than other people? No. Uh, because it would make me more holy. That would be good. Right? Because it would make me more obedient. That would be better. Because it would make me love Jesus deeper. That would be the best and the greatest result. Right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. He is the wonderful counselor and wise men still seek him. Let's be a wise church together. That makes sense? Let's get ramped. Don't start too early. You'll finish quick. But let's do it together. By the way, I have, just so you know, one of the ways you can keep on track, I have 10 guys. I have 10 guys that every morning when I read, I text them, and let them know what I read, and they text me back, and they let me know what they read, right? And I do that, why? Because it keeps me on track, right? Because they're always looking for where I was reading. It keeps me on track. If I miss a day, I go, oh, blew it, skipped, slept in, skateboarding, whatever, you know, (laughs) kind of thing. But it keeps us tracking. So if you do that with somebody, it's really good because you're going to encounter incredible warfare. Right? if you try to read through. So you've got to have some posse to walk with you. Community groups, it's built in. There you go. Grab somebody out of your group and, and away you go. All right, let's do that. Let's seek them. Wonderful counselor, would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, this is a great message and not because it's mine. This is a great message because it's you. You are the wonderful counselor and we are to seek you with all our hearts. And God, we have idols, we have habits, we have thoughts that we want to pet and cajol and play with and pretend it doesn't hurt us and pretend that it doesn't get in the way. And yet, Lord, we drift and we drift badly and we crash into the ditch and then we wonder what happened. Lord, help us think the way you think. Help us line up with your thoughts. Lord, give us a heart to read through your word and we seek you for that. And everybody said, amen.